Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review and the Rising Stars Show. Our guest today is Eileen Day McCusick. She is the author of a fascinating book called Tuning the Human Biofield, Healing with Vibrational Sound Therapy. I so enjoyed the book, so I'm delighted that you could be with us today. You know, Eileen is a researcher, writer, educator, and practitioner who has been studying the effects of audible sound on the human body since 1996. She originated something called biofield tuning. It's a unique therapeutic method using tuning forks to identify and correct imbalances in the body's energy field. Eileen is the founder of the Biofield Tuning Institute in Burlington, Vermont, on the other side of the country, and I'm delighted she could come all the way to the West Coast to be with us today. Hi, Eileen. Hi, Miriam. Eileen, I was really impressed by your book, especially the way you have kind of uh, synthesized all of the information that you seem to soak up like a sponge and then um, put it in such clear language for the reader to understand your process and your path. How did you decide that sound healing was something real, something that you could do? Well, it was actually a, a conclusion I came to using logic <laughs> um, and, and curiosity. I think I read Deepak Chopra's book, Quantum Healing, back in the mid-90s, you know, which introduced me to the idea that everything is vibration. You know, what the, the quantum physicists of the early part of the 19th century discovered, that everything is really just vibration, even though it appears to be solid. And right after that, I read a book on the use of color, sound, and music in healing. And I remember thinking, well, you know, if everything is vibration and I'm vibration, then treating vibration with vibration seems to make a lot of sense to me. And so, you know, as a researcher by nature, if I get interested in a particular topic, I tend to go down that rabbit hole. And so I went off and found everything I could at that point in the mid-90s to to research that topic. And the more I read, the more sense it made. And then I just happened to get a catalog in the mail that had a set of tuning forks for healing in it. And, you know, I was already sold. So <laughs> so I ordered them. And I had a small part-time massage therapy practice, and I just started experimenting with them and found it fascinating. And, you know, 20 years later, it's still fascinating. So it's been, it's held my attention, which is as somebody who gets bored easily, um, you know, says a lot to, to what is here with sound healing. So you developed this biofield tuning really empirically through trial and error. Absolutely. Through trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, basically waving tuning forks around people (laughs) kind of with curiosity and seeing, seeing what I noticed and listening to their feedback and, um, you know, starting to observe patterns and trends and things like that. And, uh, you know, over time the, the practice, it just emerged and, uh, and evolved and it continues to evolve. It's an ever evolving process for sure. What uh, conditions did you use it for at the beginning that really caught your attention? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I didn't use it for any conditions. You know, at the beginning, I was just like, hey, I've got these tuning forks. I want to play with them. You know, will you be a guinea pig? So it, it wasn't even with any intention to treat anything. It was just sort of like, 
Um, let me just try this and see what happens. And then, you know, what it seemed to work on um, revealed itself in time and, and really continues to reveal itself because, you know, everything really is vibration. The physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, genetic, um, ancestral levels is all vibrationally encoded in the body and the body's field. And so anything that is, you know, a problem, uh, usually makes noise of some kind or another. And, and the tuning forks can be used to find that noise, um, and help the body to resolve it. It's a very, very simple, elegant, um, but very effective method. So when you say the tuning forks can be used to locate noise, uh, d- does their sound shift subtly as you're going over areas of concern? It does. It does. And that was something that, you know, right off the bat, the very first day that I noticed, and I was really surprised by it. I really thought, you know, tuning fork is going to produce an objective, consistent tone wherever you put it. And what I didn't expect was this, um, this interface between the acoustic emissions of the body and the overtones and undertones produced by the tuning fork. So, you know, if somebody had pain in a particular area, when I held the tuning fork over that area, it would sound funny. It would sound, you know, either full of static or it would sound really sharp. And I found that if I kept it there for a little while, that the the tone would resolve into a kind of harmony, you know, and then the person would come back the next time and say, you know what, all that pain in my shoulder went away after you used the tuning fork on it. And then they'd be like, can you do that on me again? And so... Uh, my massage practice morphed very quickly into a sound practice driven by uh, customer demand. That's fascinating. Were you musically trained? I mean, to be able to hear these differences, I imagine they were fairly subtle. You know, they're actually not as subtle as people might think that they are. You know, I can teach a class with 15 people in it and the sound can go into distortion and everybody can hear it. You can hear it from 15 feet away if the acoustics are good in a room. So no, I'm not musical. In fact, I'm the opposite of musical uh, in a lot of ways. I was always the kid in, in music class that was clapping on the offbeat and singing out of key and squeaking my clarinet. I have no natural musical gifts whatsoever. Um, <laughs> In fact, I I started taking singing lessons when I was 20, um, and over the course of seven years, teachers and all the first five told me I would never be able to sing because I was tone deaf. So I don't have any particular you know acuity <laughs> in that department. Although I have learned uh, how to not be tone deaf, so that does not have to be a life sentence. But no, there's it's not music therapy, and it's not even really. Um, you know, based in any kind of music. I don't even use the musical scale in my work or anything like that. It's really much more about um, this sort of just information and interface that goes on. I have seen correspondences between the chakras and uh, different frequencies. So, I mean, it stands to reason that if we are vibrational beings, we would respond to um, the patterns that are found uh, in nature, as I would guess, and, and, and in mathematics, really. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, you know, this is what I've really realized over time is that it's all math. It's all, you know, what started off as sort of an intuitive fumble in the dark, um, you know, has really turned into a very precise understanding of the mathematical coding of the body's energy field and particular pathologies and emotions. It's all very patterned. Hmm. Now, what role does thought and intention play in all of this? You know, it plays a really big role. Um, intention is like we all have this superpower and magical ability with intention, and we don't really realize just how powerful intention is. But, uh, you know, our, our intention affects um, the, the environment around us, the stuff that life is made of, uh, that, you know, this existence, this world is made of, responds very profoundly to intention. I think it's a very unexplored, not really understood phenomenon, honestly. And so having a clear intention um, and, and focused attention combined with sound produces a very powerful modality. So that's from the side of the therapist, um, which stands to reason since you are using essentially thought to drive your intention. And thought is presumably what created the imbalance in the first place. Yeah. How, how do you visualize it being held in the energy field for you to find? That's a good question. I, you know, we tend to think of thought as something that happens inside our head. And what I've discovered is that thought really takes place in your body's field. So when, when I say field, I mean your aura, your human energy field. Um, I consider it a, a diffuse magnetic bubble uh, or toroidal shape that isn't really so different, you know, from a fractal consideration from the magnetosphere of the earth or the heliosphere of the sun. You know, humans, earth, sun are all electrical beings with a north and south pole that generate this bioplasmic, um, in the case of humans, sort of bubble around them. And I've really come to see this as the medium of mind and consciousness. And my work has revealed that this particular, that our field has a specific anatomy and physiology to it, that different states of mind actually inhabit different regions within the field. And so when we energize a particular state of mind or a particular thought, we actually light up and create movement and uh, illumination in a particular part of our field. So it's kind of like an extension of the brain map outside of the body. Yeah, exactly. It is. It appears to have a very specific anatomy and physiology just like the brain does. Yep. And that's my unique work is that I've actually mapped this field and determined, you know, and this is something that emerged over, you know, the 20 years that I've been doing this and, and continues to emerge because it is a, it is a very complex structure uh, with a lot of layers and contains enormous amounts of information. So it continues to be an evolving exploration, and it's definitely a hypothesis. Now, I'm not saying this is fact. I'm simply saying my observations and my research have revealed that if people are running a lot of sadness, for example, I'm going to find a lot of energy. And the way that I know there's energy there is that the tuning fork vibrates more loudly um, off, the left, off their left shoulder. Uh, you know, depression tends to sit 
like a low pressure system just off the left shoulder. And I can find that based on the feedback from the tuning forks and I can actually manipulate it or modulate it to shift the way the energy is uh, flowing. Basically, if it's sitting like a low pressure system, I come in with a tuning fork, break it up, um, help to harmonize its vibration and then integrate that energy back into the system. I mean, it's very much like any, any alternative healing approach seeks to break up stagnation to introduce flow. And so that's what I'm doing with my tuning forks is I'm, I'm finding areas of, of stagnation or stuckness or frozenness. Um, or overactivity, you know, if somebody has a tendency to, um, have a really busy mind and they go round and round in circles with their mind, they tend to break down in their right hip of all places. So, you know, you don't think (laughs) (laughs) that hit home. (laughs) Um, yes, right hip is the home of busy body, busy mind. And so, um, you know, I can go in there 18 inches off your right hip and actually slow down your, your thinking mind. 18 inches off your right hip. Where were you when I needed you before my hip replacement? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a really different way of looking at mind. And, um, I see all our memories are as stored here in a very specific kind of compartmentalized and even timeline fashion in meaning that as we generate information, as we generate our experience, it's all vibrational. And it gets encoded in these standing waves um, in, in this bioplasmic medium so that information I find close to someone is current or recently generated. Information I find at the outer edge of a person's field relates to their gestation, to their birth, to their earliest childhood. And then everything else falls in between like rings in a tree. So depending on where I find distortion and resistance, I can tell you exactly what age it was generated um, and, and what it was related to. Are the concentric rings um, uh, similar from person to person in terms of the uh, distance from the body? Y- yes, you know, depending on your age. So a 10-year-old has the same size field as an 80-year-old. Only there, it's like as we get older, it's like our hard drive fills up. So, you know, halfway through the field of a 10-year-old would be when they were five. Halfway through the field of an 80-year-old would be when they were 40. Ah. So that's how it works. Interesting. It gets smaller. That's why memory retrieval gets harder as we get older. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And, and it's, it's like the new memories just kind of squish the other ones um, yeah. like exactly. an accordion. That's right. <laughs> So, um, what were some of the, uh, more fascinating or surprising, uh, discoveries that you made doing this work? Well, you know, I think I say in my book that I'm like, this surprised me and that surprised me. And then I was surprised by this. <laughs> you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, uncharted territory in, in a lot of ways, what I've been exploring. And so it's been full of surprises, which has actually been really fun. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest surprise was when I first got my tuning forks, they came with this little tiny instruction book and it, it was the C major scale. And it said, you use C over the root chakra, D over the second, E over the third and so on. And so it got me into this model of working over the chakras <laughs> and, and what I would discover when I started, you know, I'd kind of wave the tuning fork around the body, um, like in the area of a chakra and energy center. 
And I discovered really probably the very first time I did it that some areas were loud. And I associated when the tuner got louder that there was more energy in that particular place. And I remember thinking, well, if it's going to sound loud anywhere, it should probably sound loud over the energy center, right? And so I discovered that I could use the tuning fork like you would use a magnet to move, say, iron filings. And I could hook into the loud spots and I could move them. And so I developed this little technique that I called click, drag, and drop, where I would find a loud spot, drag it to the center and then drop it in where it would feel like it was actually like sucked in to the chakra itself. And then it wouldn't sound loud where it had been. It would sound loud over the chakra. So, so for years, that's what I did. I just worked close to the body. One day in 2006, I accidentally discovered a loud spot about two and a half feet off of somebody's neck. And they had, were complaining of a problem in their neck and, and shoulder and jaw. They felt pain and a sense of pulling. And so, uh, you know, I, I moved it back to center. And it felt very odd to drag, you know, a spot that far. And they called me the next day and told me that all of their pain and pulling was gone. Wow. Yeah. And so I found that really intriguing. And so the next person who came in, I started as far away from them as I could in my treatment room, which is about six feet. And that began the exploration of, uh, you know, what I ended up calling the biofield, but it led to so many questions. You know, I was like, what is this medium? What is this stuff that I'm moving around? Because it feels like stuff. What law of physics is governing the fact that a tuning fork seems to move this stuff? Like it just, I had so many questions and, you know, ended up going off on an academic um, adventure to try to answer it through academia. I ended up uh, enrolling in college as an adult. I never went to college out of high school. Um, I got my undergraduate degree, my master's degree. Now I'm working on my PhD you know, all in an effort to kind of tease out the mystery that is the human energy field. And in the process of this, I've discovered that there is, you know, it is a frontier science and there's actually a whole bunch of people trying to map the biofield. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I've been living in the mountains of Vermont for the last you know, 15 years. I've already done that, you know? So, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating and exciting to be able to apply science to the whole thing. I noticed that you actually teach sound healing at Johnston State College. Does that mean that sound healing is now being accepted by the mainstream? <laughs> you know, it's starting to move into the mainstream. Uh, Johnston State College is a unique school. It was the one of the first, if not the first, public college to have a wellness and alternative medicine undergraduate program. And that's what I got my degree in. I just happen to live in Johnson, so uh, that's convenient. Uh, it is, it was, you know, raised some eyebrows in the administration, I think, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it works. Um, I would like to see, you know, the term sound healing, I, I'm more interested in this at this point from an area of biofield science. I tend to think of biofield tuning more as a biofield therapy than sound healing because it is very precise and it is very much based on this biofield anatomy concept. You know, I've received um, sound baths with bowls and gongs and, you know, they're nice, but it's not even close to what can be done uh, with a tuning fork placed in the right area, you know, five feet away from somebody's right knee um, for half an hour. A very precise input into something like a very traumatic birth record can change a person's life instantly. So, 
it's it's a little different from what we're calling sound healing. I noticed that you really did a pretty thorough study of many different vibrational and energy medicine modalities. I was wondering if having come up with the biofield map, whether you have ever uh, experimented with using, say, a laser light to pull the energy around. You know, I haven't worked with lasers, although I think the combination of sound and laser could be very powerful. Hmm. So um, how does sound compare with other vibrational modalities like uh, laser and microcurrent and electrical modalities? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think... Just the acoustic nature of a tuning fork is is really brilliant because you can work with what I call resonance and entrainment. You know, the tuning fork will initially resonate with the body. It meets the body where the body is at. And then, because it produces this very simple coherent output, it can entrain the body into a more coherent expression. So... You know, the tuning fork, I think with any kind of therapy or any kind of therapist, there's a need to feel met where you're at. And there's also, you know, a tuning fork produces technically an infinite number of overtones and undertones, many different frequencies going on. And sometimes it's at the very, the level of the very, very subtle that really magical things happen. And so there's space for that with a tuning fork where there isn't necessarily in something like electrostim. Do you use different tuning forks for different uh, purposes or are they kind of really mapped according to the chakras? So I kind of abandoned that chakra model. Uh, really at this point have whittled my practice down. At one point I used up to 30 or more forks in a session. I was, you know, really thought, Oh, more is better. Um, a series of circumstances um, kind of forced me uh, to limit what I was using. And now I only use four. I use two unweighted forks for field work. And then I use two, two weighted forks, um, which you, you activate a fork. They've got little barrels on the ends of the tines. And they're designed to kind of drive the vibration down into the handle. So you can place the handle of these weighted forks on, say, a trigger point. And it helps to loosen that up. So I use those on the body and the unweighted forks on the field. Most of the practice, though, can be done with just one fork. There isn't a need for lots of different frequencies. I know that there are, you know, different schools of thought that say, you know, the frequency of a healthy kidney is 137.2 hertz. And therefore, if you're treating kidney disease, you need to use that particular frequency. Um, I found that what is important in the way that I approach things is just a coherent input that, you know, it's, it's really about finding the very specific areas within the field and, and holding the fork in that right place for the right amount of time that gives the body enough self-awareness and enough time to just correct itself. And it knows what its right frequency is. It just needs something to balance itself against. So in biofield tuning, the specific frequency isn't as important as the specific location and time period. Mm-hmm. And do you find a higher tone or a lower tone more powerful? 
Well, I predominantly use a frequency that is 174 hertz. And having really experimented with a lot of different frequencies, this one is just in a good range. Um, it's not pretty. You know, it's not like, oh. <laughs> but I do have one higher form, you know, if we want something pretty. Um, but this one is really useful for breaking up energy, for, you know, for locating it, for reading it, for breaking it up, getting it moving. Where do you see therapeutic sound going, Eileen? Oh, I think it's going to explode. You know, I, I see we're at the cusp, you know, like where yoga was 15 years ago. Um, it's maybe 20 years ago. It is definitely about to really take off. And on, on a lot of different fronts, you know, there's a lot of people getting into things like bowls and gongs and, you know, this sort of sound healing thing. But then even it's cropping up in medical stuff. You know, they're definitely exploring the power of sound. It is, it is such a powerful and such an oddly overlooked medium. I think both sound and light really are going to be coming into their own uh, shortly, if, if for no other reason then they don't have any negative side effects and they actually produce results. They produce results. I mean, they really produce results. You know, I, I grew my practice in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of Vermont in a poor rural conservative area waving tuning forks around. <laughs> and, and, you know, I solved people's problems. They went and they told their friends and people were willing, you know, you get to a place where you've like tried a bunch of things to solve your problems and nothing works. You're willing to try something a little weird. And I grew a very, very busy practice in the middle of nowhere because it works. That's really the story of alternative medicine, isn't it? Yeah. So do you, you, do you see Biofield actually going into mainstream medicine? Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, the Biofield is going to be a hot topic within the next five years. I think it's going to really start to push its way. You know, and it changes everything. I mean, I, I just spoke at this conference called the Science and Non-Duality Conference in San Jose a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I introduced my biofield anatomy hypothesis. And somebody came up to me afterwards and they said, you know, you're either crazy or this is opening up like a whole new world of research. Like this is really a big deal. And, uh, you know, I'm inclined to think that that's the case. I think that the combination of sound information medicine, actually uh, Lynn McTaggart said in the movie The, the Matrix, um, she said informational medicine that changes the information in the biofield is the future of medicine. And I nearly fell off my chair when I heard her say that. Because I was like, that's exactly what I'm doing. I am, I am changing the information in the biofield, and it produces results in the physiology immediately. That when you're working on the body, you're, you're band-aiding things. You know, even naturopaths are like, oh, you know, your adrenals aren't working. Take this supplement, that supplement, you know, and these umpteen supplements, and don't eat this and don't eat that. You know, whereas I can go in with my tuning fork, find the edge of the adrenal field, which is about three feet off the body, in, get in phase, lock phase with its rhythm, and entrain it from its accelerated rhythm into back to its factory setting. It can take 20 minutes, and it changes the adrenal output completely. Once your adrenals aren't running, your digestion improves, you, you know, everything runs better. So that is a radically different approach to say, I'm going to change the rhythm and the speed and the tone of your adrenals. You know, I'm not going to band-aid you with this, that, and the other supplement. Mm. It's immediate and it's effective. It's powerful. My goodness. Uh, 
So where do people find out more about you, Eileen? Do you, do you have a website? And presumably you're, you're training therapists in this yeah. modality. <laughs> so my website is biofieldtuning.com. And biofield is just all one word. And I offer training. I just uh, committed to a space in San Diego. So we have Biofield Tuning Institute West in San Diego and East in Burlington, Vermont. And I offer classes in both. To become a certified practitioner is three three-day trainings that are about three months apart. And, you know, it's really easy to learn. It's, it's a simple, easy to learn, surprisingly powerful method. And, you know, even in class, uh, students, you know, the first time they pick up the forks will help a classmate to relieve pain or suffering of some kind or another. I mean, it's really instant. And um, I think it's the sort of thing that a lot of practitioners, you know, people who do Reiki um, are kind of looking for something that's, you know, the next step for, for healing. So it's a great, you can integrate it into what you're doing. Uh, you can use it as a standalone and it's really versatile. Hmm. So, uh, so I have, you know, upcoming trainings next year. And then, uh, I've also, um, have started working. I learned that I could do this work at a distance and that was kind of an interesting discovery because I didn't think that I could. Uh, when my book came out, my, my already busy practice went off the hook. And so I decided to do some experiments to see if I could work on groups at, you know, all at once and discovered that I could. And so I sort of solved my scheduling problem by offering groups. Um, you know, we have a few different ones, one for digestive wellness, uh, one for low back and hip pain, um, worry, anxiety, and fear, and another one on getting focused and getting unstuck. So that makes it really affordable, you know, because when you have a book come out and your practice goes off the hook, your rates go through the roof. And because I grew my, my practice ministering to the poor rural population, I felt really odd about charging a lot of money. <laughs> so the groups are super affordable for people. Well, you'll just, listeners, dear, you'll just have to get the book. It's called Tuning the Human Biofield by Eileen Day McCusick. And the website is biofieldtuning.com. Eileen, thank you so much for being with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Miriam.